One California federal judge is taking the possibility of another government shutdown into account. After hearing testimony in a trial that pits the FTC against Qualcomm, Judge Lucy Coe says she's unlikely to rule before the government runs out of money again next month. But she told the FTC to ask her again in writing by February 13th if it appears another shutdown is likely. Joining me is Jennifer Reed, Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst. Jen, why did the judge even discuss the timing of her decision in, in such detail? Well, you know, it is unusual, June, for a judge to do that. And certainly they have no statutory deadlines on issuing these opinions. But in the closing arguments, the FTC actually asked, you know, can you just give us some general guidance on your timing? And I think it's because they are concerned that if they lose and want to appeal, they only have a certain amount of time to appeal. And if the government's closed, it will affect their timing and, and their ability to appeal. And I think that's why she also gave such a detailed response. So what are the FTC's primary allegations in the case? You know, what they're primarily alleging here is that through interrelated practices, several practices that over the years Qualcomm maintained its market dominance in certain chips, mostly chips for uh, 3G and 4G, uh, CDMA and LTE they're called, by, by uh, abusing its market power in those chips to force um, really abusively high royalties on the techno the patents it has for the technology needed for those chips to work in the phone and for the phone to work wirelessly. So essentially Qualcomm has patents that it's obligated to license in a, what's called a fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory manner because those patents are necessary by any phone maker for that phone to work wirelessly. And it also has chips that almost every phone maker needs. And what the FTC says Qualcomm did was they threatened that if the phone maker wouldn't pay these very high royalties that were not fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory, they wouldn't sell them their chips. And the OEM couldn't accept that. So was there actual testimony from some of the people that had been allegedly threatened in this way? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is there was a lot of testimony. You know, one after another, OEMs like Apple uh, uh, and rivals like Intel took the stand and said, yes, they did feel that they had no leverage, they had no ability to really negotiate reasonably with Qualcomm because they couldn't take the risk that they would lose this chip supply. Um, and, and there were even documents where you could see that Qualcomm referenced, if you don't accept our royalties, you're lose, you will lose our chips. But on the other hand, you had quite a few Qualcomm witnesses that testified that they never actually ever stopped supplying chips to an OEM even when there were licensing disputes ongoing. So that was Qualcomm's defense? That was part of its defense, yes. Was there any indication which way the judge was leaning? I mean, you can never tell, but sometimes through rulings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now in this case, she was really quiet. You know, with very few questions, she was very focused. You could tell that she was watching carefully. She was looking at the, the exhibits and the documents. So I think at least through the course of the trial, it's really hard to see where she's leaning. Going into trial, she seemed very much to be siding with the FTC. There were some pretrial rulings where she took the FTC's side, both in what kind of evidence she would allow into the trial or wouldn't allow into the trial, as well as an early judgment that she made regarding Qualcomm and what it's obligated to do with these standard essential patents. So if the FTC wins the case, what does it want the judge to do? What's the remedy? 
In this case, um, the FTC is not seeking any money. So unlike some of the actions that have been taken against Qualcomm in Europe and in China, there won't be any big fines here. All they're looking for is a judge's order that requires Qualcomm to do or to refrain from doing certain things. And it, one of the biggest ones is what we just talked about, that they cannot use this threat of withholding our chips uh, from an OEM in order to extract the high royalties that it's extracting, that it needs to separate out those negotiations. Would that hurt Qualcomm's business model? You know, it's really hard to say. There, there's a bigger piece, I think, that that if implemented would hurt Qualcomm's business model more. And that piece is what we haven't talked about yet, um, that, the, that the FTC has wants an order requiring Qualcomm to license not just the OEMs, the makers of the phone like Samsung and Apple, but also chip rivals like MediaTek and Intel. Up till now, Qualcomm hasn't done that. And, and what they claim is that's an inefficient way of doing things. And it's unclear yet how that might affect their royalty streams if they have to do that, but it could affect their business model. Sometimes, even after a trial, there is a settlement before the judge, especially yes. before the judge's order comes in or before a verdict by a jury. Is that likely here? I don't think it's likely, but I think it could happen. We know that the, the parties have been discussing settlement. They acknowledged as such before this trial started. At one point, they even sought a stay in order to talk settlement, and the judge refused it. The, the issue I think that could hurt settlement talks now is that the FTC, I think, believes they have momentum here and believes they did a really great job in trial and have a, have a possibility of winning. So they've gained a little leverage in these negotiations. But it's it's uh, it could happen. Now... We know that Macon Delrahim, who is the head of the antitrust division at the DOJ, has been vocal about the fact that he doesn't think this type of case should be brought, uh, resolved with the antitrust laws. This is brought by the FTC, mm -hmm. so there's sort of a disconnect there. Explain the positions a little bit. You know, it's an interesting thing, and I think there's a lot of debate in the antitrust community about this, because in a big picture policy um, level, the thought is that when you hamper um, the, when a company has IP and they've done the R&D and put the money into the R&D and they've obtained a patent, they have the right to, to get the benefit of that patent. They have the right to charge what they want to in terms of royalties and do what they want to with that patent. And that in turn will fund the R&D and innovation. And so there's a, a fear that if you use antitrust to sort of mess up this equilibrium, that it could hamper innovation. And Del Rahim generally believes antitrust should support innovation and not hamper innovation and, and sh that these patent rights perhaps ought to have some precedence over antitrust and that you could resolve these matters as a matter of contract law. Jennifer Ree always makes antitrust interesting. That's Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst Jennifer Ree. For more of Jen's analysis, you can go to BI Go on the Bloomberg Terminal.